are you well hydrated? Not so much today. I didn't drink as much water as I should have, honestly. Would you say that your uh, deep inside plumbing is is healthy? Well, I sure take enough fiber. It ought to be. Aw, fiber is like the Drano of your body. That's a fun way to think of that. <laughs> We're going to talk about plumbing. Yes, hello everyone, and welcome to Thingamajigs, the exciting history of mundane things. I am Ben. And I'm Danielle. What do you got for us? What's plumbing all about? What's with all the magic tubes running around? What's their deal? You say what's their deal a lot. Yeah, it's my thing. <laughs> well, let's talk about the word plumbing. It comes from the Latin word plumbum, which is fun because plumbing takes your bum juices away. Plumbum. The earliest plumbing pipes were made of baked clay and straw. Did you know that lead on the periodic table is PB because of plumbum? Oh, that's fun. Yeah. We're going to talk about lead. Nice. It seems like we're always going to be talking about lead. Lead is a magical material that can do no wrong. Hmm. It's metal, but it's malleable, and it's safe and leaves a great taste in the water. Oh, is that why we have lead pipes? That yes. For that flavor? Mm-hmm. It's nice and sweet. Well, we don't have lead pipes right now. Right now, we have clay and straw. I'm sure that left a great flavor as well. We've all tasted Play-Doh. Oh, were you, a, were you that kid that ate the Play-Doh and the glue? And the crayons. They were just bright colors, and I liked the way they looked. They looked like Laffy Taffy. There's a great Bob's Burger episode about Gail eating paint, I think, because she wanted to feel yellow inside. She, she ate lipstick because she wanted to feel red. I think we always feel red inside. That's like the main thing that's in there. Except for the brown, which needs to go somewhere. And where's it going to go, Ben? I don't know. A magical tube that's running around somewhere, I guess. The sewer. We are again going to start in Egypt, where all good stories start. So the Egyptians developed techniques that created copper alloys, which is what led to their early piping system. They also were the only people that built bathrooms for dead people. Well, that doesn't seem like a very cost-effective decision. Why, why, why'd they do that? Well, in the 90s, we found copper plumbing and drainage systems in the remains of a pyramid funerary complex. The pyramid was about 4,500 years old, which would date it around 2,600 to 2,500 BC. The Egyptians believed that when you died, you needed the same things in your next life, which is why they were buried with wealth and servants and apparently bathrooms. Quick side note, funerary complex, good name for a band, but also, did they think that, like, their spirit was walking around in the pyramid using the toilets, or, like, what, how, how did they think that worked? I'm not really sure. They definitely had a, an, this idea that your afterlife, whatever you had with you, you needed to take with you to your afterlife, which is why those tombs were always so full of really interesting artifacts and also the poor servants who also were murdered because they needed to have servants in their afterlife which would make more sense because your servant has a spirit and then wherever that wherever you go you take your servant with you i guess yeah but then that also makes me wonder how did they think 
the organ situation worked. Because didn't they, like, take out their organs and put them in jars? Because they were like, hey, you're going to need this lung. When they were mummified? Yeah, yeah, you had to take all of the organs out. Except for the heart. That was where your spirit was. Or oh. that's where they thought that your spirit was. So they would leave the heart in the mummies. Okay, so this makes me have so many more questions, actually. They left the heart in because they needed the heart, but they took everything else out and put them in jars because they also needed them. So, like, they needed the heart to be there so their spirit would be able to walk out and uh, grab the jars with their other organs and stuff them back in there. I'm not really sure that they put their other organs in jars. I don't think they really thought through this whole process. Also, I'm not sure how many mummies were mummified with their hearts. I don't know if this was a universal practice or if this was just certain people. This is not what we're talking about at all. What were we talking about? We were talking about how they were buried. They had bathrooms in their tombs. Which Could you imagine doing that in today's times? How massive our caskets would have to be to incorporate your body, you know, a nice comfy pillow for your dead head to lay on, and a bathroom, why don't you just stick like a Mountain Dew bottle in there and call that good enough? Bury me with my piss jug. It's the way of the road. The Mediterranean island of Crete gets the credit for inventing the first flushing toilet. Now, when I say the first flushing toilet, we are going to cover that again, because it consisted of a stone seat placed over a channel of flowing water, which was what made it quote-unquote flushing. But we're going to talk about flushing toilets again. There's going to be two first flushing toilets. So by flushing toilet, they mean just uh, pooping in a stream of water. The idea of going to the bathroom and it being carried away which was used, you know, with gravity. and This was about 2000 BC. Well, it does sound nicer than just pooping in a hole, I guess. I don't know, because if you poop in a hole and then you bury it like a cat, at least you know where it is. Well, you got to keep track of where you're burying them all because you don't want to go digging in the same spot twice. You know, horses always marker off a corner of their field and then they always poop in that place because they don't want to sully the rest of their grass. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Like whenever you get trapped in an elevator. There's always got to be a pea corner. Cows don't do that. Cows, they just go wherever they're standing, which is always very difficult whenever you put cows and horses together because the horse always wants to use the section of field that has been allocated for that, and then the cows just go and mess all of that up. China had a lot of the same techniques and tricks with using gravity to move water around, but I saw where they would use hollowed-out bamboo for pipes, which I thought was pretty clever. They had a lot of bamboo. Bamboo makes a nice pipe. The Romans were masters at moving large amounts of water to places they needed it. They built aqueducts to transport water from the countryside into Rome. These troughs carried about 1.2 billion liters of water 57 miles every day. The one thing I remember from history class is that their aqueducts were very impressive. They were incredibly advanced for the time period. 
It was collected in tanks and then distributed through tunnels of pipes to baths, fountains, toilets. They had a pretty amazing grasp of how important it was to keep your drinking water away from your wastewater and how to engineer that. That is a very nice feature. Yeah, we're going to lose that in the next 10 minutes. Bathing daily was an important aspect to their daily lives. They had public bathhouses where people would gather and bathe and gossip. It was like the social media platform of their day. You would go and take a bath and then talk with so-and-so and find out what's going on with them. That sounds great. We need to bring that one back. You know, when I was in Japan... My mom wanted us to go to one of the public bathhouses. Gross. Well, I was 14 and not I would not have appreciated the cultural... Significance of the situation. Yes, I was just thinking about how I don't want to be naked in hot soup with all of these mainly older Japanese women. You didn't want to be a part of that wrinkly boob soup? No, not particularly. Now, looking back as an adult, I wish I would have because it would have been such a interesting experience, but I, I, can't, I can't go back. I can't go back and change my mind on that. That's too bad. You want to go back and bathe with your mom? Well, it wasn't just the bathing with my mom. We it all was... want to bathe with our mom. Do you want to bathe with your mom? Anyway... There were three different temperatures. There was like a hot bath and then a warm bath and then a cold bath, which would have been more like a swimming pool. They were heated by wood furnaces. They also had public toilets, which we briefly talked about in the toilet paper episode, but we were pretty concerned at the time with the shared butt sponge. I'm not sure if we mentioned that these public toilet rooms were open. There would be like 20 seats or more arranged in a circular manner, which everyone knows is the optimum circumstance for sharing how your day went with gluteus maximus on the seat next to you. That's what I like to do at the urinals. That's a feature you'll never get to appreciate. We get to stand side by side as we pee. I'm just jealous that you get to pee standing up. The brotherhood of peers. You get to pee with your peers? So the water ran constantly under the seats to carry the waste away to the nearest sewer. So we still had the same concept of flowing water under a seat. Things were really going superbly until a fatal misstep took place around 200 BC. Roman engineers used lead piping to replace the system that was already in place. Granted, this improved the efficiency, but as we know, lead is toxic, and it caused a lot of illness and death from lead poisoning. That was still pretty advanced for their time, because, I mean, we had lead pipes until pretty recently, I feel like. And in fact, there was a survey a couple years ago that found that some, well, actually all 50 states still have lead pipes. They estimated that there are about 10 million lead pipes still in use, and these are for service lines, so that's cities distributing water to many people through lead pipes to this day, which is pretty cool. How do they get away with that? I don't really know. It seems to be against EPA regulations, but 
for some reason they're not required to actually do a survey and find all the lead pipes. So That's pretty bunk because if I wanted to build a house and then I said, hey, I'm going to put lead pipes in it, they would not allow me to build that house. But if the state already has lead pipes, they're not going to be required to replace those with with something safe. Yeah, I guess that's how they comply with the EPA regulations. They're like, no new lead pipes, but we're keeping these oldie goldies. Oh, so they're grandfathered in. I don't think they're supposed to be, but I guess so. So the lead pipes affected the children pretty dramatically, raising the infant death toll and miscarriages. Some people speculate how much this played a role in the downfall of Rome, And with the fall of Rome went all of our plumbing advances. It will be a long time before we see running water and elaborate pipe systems like in the glorious days of Rome. Oh, Rome. We miss you. Rome was around for a really long time. Whenever I think of Rome, I think of, you know, maybe 300 years. No. Rome was around for a thousand years. It started in B.C. and it ended in A.D. I can't wait until 750 years from now when America collapses. Except this time we won't lose any advances. Because <laughs> we're not that advanced? Yeah. The U.S. is now like known for being behind the advancements in a lot of uh, infrastructural ways. Things got pretty bad for a while. We're going to jump to medieval England and Europe. I don't know if I can jump that far, but I'll try. Traces of early sanitary practices were still used in monasteries and castles in England. Most castles had guard robes, which were at or near the top of the structure, and there was a seat where you sat and dispelled your waste. It then plummeted to the bottom, where it collected until someone, some lucky soul, came around to scrape it all up and carry it away. Yeah, those are those... Little outhouses tacked onto the side of the big walls where they, they. Yes, it have kind those of. Shoots. It kind of looks like a chimney, except for it doesn't. It's the opposite, and for poop instead of smoke. Yes, for washing up, they had a washstand in the bedroom. Depending on your wealth, you might have had a maid who would bring you up a jug of hot and cold water. When you were finished with it, you simply opened the window and tossed it out. If you were kind, you would warn the people in the street by saying, Gardiloo, which meant mind the water. Or if you wanted a good laugh, you didn't say that. (laughs) So this is where we get the word loo for bathroom. You hear a, a British person say, I'm going to the loo. That's not how they'd say it. They say, blimey, I have to go for a loo. That's how they talk. (laughs) We're never going to have any British listeners. You just, you just cast them away with all of your horrible impressions of their accent. The concept of throwing something out the window was not just held to gray water. You repeated this process with your chamber pots. It was a disgusting time. I don't know. It sounds pretty convenient. You just carry a pot around. I don't have to go to the bathroom anymore. Well, that was the idea with the chamber pots. You didn't want to get out of bed and walk to wherever your bathroom was or your outhouse. So you would just keep a chamber pot under your bed and you'd pee in it. I think I'm probably going to start doing that. 
No, I, you're not. I hate getting up to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night. You were going to use a Mountain Dew bottle. Next to the bed. And then I'll dump it out in the morning. As long as it has a cap, I don't care. Well, don't kick my pee jug. Properly close your pee jug. Well, then it wouldn't be a chamber pot, would it? It'd be a chamber bottle. And that's not good. I can't feel like a king using a chamber bottle. In 1596, Queen Elizabeth I's godson, Sir John Harrington, created the first flushing toilet. Again, this is, this is when we're going to see the first flushing toilet 2.0. I believe this is where we get the name John for the bathroom. It's like what Apple does with their products when their revolutionary products are released. It's always the first. Like the first Baptist church, even though there's like 400 million of them. I want to join the 32nd Baptist church. <laughs> I'd love to visit the first Baptist church, but finding it would be such a chore. Reportedly, the queen was somewhat afraid of it because it made loud, watery, gargling noises that she was not a fan of. Me either. When I was a kid, hated flushing the toilet. Boston developed the first water system in America. Early settlers came together and formed a corporation to build the conduit for fighting fires. It was for domestic use as well, but the push was mainly for firefighting. Most of the systems was made with hollowed-out logs. That's not nearly as good as the Romans. It's not even as good as bamboo. It's very similar, though. Mm. Much bigger. These were big logs, giant logs, not little bamboo. New York also wanted in on the hollowed-out tree trunk pipe game, again, for fires, but their population was quickly outgrowing the not-so-adequate system. I think they still kind of have the same issues with their population outgrowing their infrastructure. Yes, they do. They have to pump all their water from quite far away up north. King Louis XIV of France had a cast-iron water main constructed. It was 15 miles long. It was from a pumping station to Versailles. It supplied the nearby town, the palace gardens, and fountains for more than 300 years. Wowie. That's not a small task. No. So it was somewhere between 1664 and 1685. So if you do the math on that, it would be 1985. That's a long haul. It's a big pipe. Especially for cast iron. I wonder how much that bad boy weighed. <laughs> In 1775, nearly 200 years after the first flushing toilet, a Scotsman by the name of Alexander Cumming received a patent for a similar device, but with some much-needed improvements from Harrington's. So Harrington's wasn't able to refill, and there was a horrible smell because there was nothing to seal your side of the toilet from the septic. So this is what he did. He linked the water inlet valve to the flushing mechanism, allowing the pan to be emptied and refilled. And he also installed an S-shaped pipe, or an S-trap, that created a seal with water, preventing the sewer yucks billowing up from through the toilet. Revolutionary. Yes, and we still use sometimes S-traps, but... Uh... That's much more rare now. We use P-traps, which is a variation of that design. The water pulls up in the dip in the pipe, and that water seals the gases from coming further up. Going to the bathroom is finally not the stinky activity it had been for years. Yay. 
Philadelphia was the first U.S. city to recognize that the safety and availability of water should probably be governed by municipalities. The water was piped directly to the homes and businesses of paying customers, and it was free for anyone who had a bucket to go collect it from a fire hydrant. Free water. Can you imagine such a thing? Socialism. It was a $5 annual fee to have it directly to your house, which seems totally worth it. In today dollars, that would be about $120, but I'm not sure how long it would take to make that much in 1819. It's nice that there was a free option for the people that couldn't afford it. Philadelphia was also the first city in the U.S. to move away from wooden pipes to a cast iron system. Oh, good. The wooden pipes sounds awful. So they used to, because remember I said it was for fighting fires? The way that they accessed those wooden pipes was they would just drill right into it. And then whenever they were finished, they just plugged it back up. So they didn't have fire hydrants? Not at first. So they just drilled a hole right into their water line. Mm-hmm. And then plugged it with a, it's called a fire plug. And apparently that was a common term that older people would recognize. I don't really understand what a, what that meant. Could you imagine if we did that today? Like a fire breaks out in New York City and somebody has to grab a jackhammer and just bust up the sidewalk and get that water out of there. That would not be a very efficient system. So many people and pets would already be, that building would be gone by the time you got the first drop of water out. <laughs> we wouldn't even have a New York City. In 1829, the Tremont Hotel in Boston, designed by Isaiah Rogers, became the first luxury hotel of its kind to offer indoor plumbing to its guests. Keep in mind, this was not a bathroom in every room situation. There were eight toilets, or water closets as they called them at the time, were on the ground floor, and then bathing rooms were located in the basement. I wonder if they provided chamber pots for the people that didn't want to get up and walk all the way to the ground floor in the middle of the night. That's a good point. It's a long walk for a midnight pee. You definitely cut off your fluids at 8 p.m. They were also the first hotel to provide soap. Complimentary soap is still synonymous with hotel visits. Even if you, even the crappiest hotels have a little bar of soap for you. I love stealing handfuls of soap from hotels. It's the best. Oddly enough, the Tremont featured plumbing before even the White House. The White House, it was installed in 1833, and it was only the main floor. The second floor wouldn't get plumbing for another 20 years. One of the greatest public health acts in history is brought to us by England in 1848. They passed the National Public Health Act in response to several severe cholera outbreaks, and it became a role model in plumbing codes for the rest of the world. That basically put the governments in charge of how important infrastructure should be handled, specifically, well, mostly water delivery systems. In 1870, the first single-piece ceramic toilet was introduced by a British pottery manufacturer around the same time water heaters began to appear in private homes which radically improved the domestic housewives' lives. We now had hot water for cooking and cleaning and bathing and hand-washing. Washing your hands is very important. Eh, if you say so. 
you will see a dramatic reduction of illnesses if you if you impart proper hand washing into your routine. Maybe some of us like being sick. Ever thought about that? One time I took a road trip. It's like 17 hours while I had the flu. That was the best. I was super delirious the whole time and was probably always breaking the law. But it was great. Couldn't read any of the street signs. No idea how I got there. It was great. I'm sure everyone just loved driving on the road with you at that time. I wouldn't know. They were all just blurs. (laughs) So there were some problems with the water heaters exploding due to steam valve malfunctioning. There was a Mythbusters episode about it. Was there? Yeah. People were scared of water heaters for a long time because of those incidents. And so they decided to test to see what it would take to recreate that occurrence. And it they couldn't get it to happen naturally. Uh, so by the end of the episode, they ended up rigging one specifically to explode. And it was super cool. It shot straight through the roof like a bullet, <laughs> leaving a perfect little hole where it was. It was awesome. Worth it. I like hot water. Who needs a ceiling when you have hot water? Thomas Crapper improved upon the toilet with his invention of the floating ball cock to keep the water from flowing into the toilet tank when it wasn't needed. (laughs) I know. Ball cock. (laughs) I know. I know. It's often been claimed that the slang crap to mean doo doo originated from Thomas Crapper, and their version of this story is that an American serviceman saw his name on the tank of a toilet and used it as army slang. I'm I'm going to the Crapper. But there is no real evidence of this. It's definitely a fun story, though. I can't imagine another way that that happened. I think it's perfect. Well, you heard it here on Thingamajigs. Crapper comes from Thomas Crapper. We made it official just now. So World War II came with its share of problems for everyone, but specifically the plumbing industry, because the War Production Board heavily restricted the use of iron, steel, and copper, which meant we had to find new materials. The first polyvinyl chloride pipes were invented. That's PVC. I know that one. Yes, PVC has entered the game. Now PVC is used primarily throughout the country due to its stability and low cost. It's all potato cannons. That's what we're using it for. Make sure you get that Schedule 40. And a potato. Preferably an Idaho potato. You want it to taste good after it's shot into your mouth at 80 miles an hour. In the modern era, we're more concerned with the conservation of water. So in 1978, California adopted a law stipulating that toilets could use no more than 3.5 gallons of water per flush. This was an improvement over the six gallons we were using. Six gallons. That is so much water per flush. It is. It's an incredible amount of water. I mean, think about a gallon and then think about six gallons. You could drown in six gallons of water. And if you're going an average amount of day, that would be like 40 gallons of water per person. Just for flushing your toilet. That's why it was a problem. That is enough water to hydrate a person for over two months if they're drinking an average amount. And then again in 1992, the U.S. Energy Policy Act reduced it to no more than 1.6 gallons per flush. 
And then, of course, California had to one-up them again in 2015 with one of the strictest water saving standards in the country with a limit of 1.2 gallons per flush. There you go. California having to be the best at being environmentally conscious. Oh, California. Sometimes they're the best, and then sometimes they're a little goofy. We see the first pressure-assisted toilets in 1984. It uses compressed air that pushes water into the bowl during the flushing. It uses less water than the traditional gravity toilets, and it's less likely to get clogged, which is great for public restrooms. That's good. I have a fear of clogged toilets. And yet you also have a fear of them flushing, so what are you doing? Well, they can't be clogged if I don't flush them. Queen Elizabeth would have had a bout of hysteria if she would have ever witnessed a high-pressured flushing toilet. I have a bout of hysteria whenever I'm in one of those public bathrooms that has those super reactive toilets. Like, as soon as you touch the little lever, it's like, boom, whoosh, swish, super loud. Those things are insane. They freak me out every time. The worst is when you are sitting and you move just a little bit and the sensor thinks that you're gone and it flushes right underneath you and you think that you are now going to be carried to the underworld with the sewer people. I don't know about that part, but sometimes it splashes on you and that's annoying. So I have some plumbing fun facts. Ooh, plumbing's always fun. A leaky faucet that drips once per second can waste more than 3,000 gallons of water per year. Wow. That is a huge amount of water. So make sure you get your leaky faucets fixed. Hashtag ad Ace Hardware. They have a huge faucet repair section and all these different parts specifically to stop a leaky faucet. If you talk to one of your helpful hardware folks at your Ace Hardware, hashtag ad, they will tell you exactly what you need and how to do it. And uh, it's not that difficult. I just learned about this recently. It's pretty cool. You know how I like to fix a leaky faucet? Sell your house? No, just put a bucket under it and then like catch it and then use that water for something else. Do you now? Yep. That's not... Okay, that's okay. Statistically, the first stall in a public restroom is the cleanest because it is used the least. Which I, I already knew this, and I, ha- I usually will use the first stall because I, kn- I know that that's a, that's a fun. I just discovered this recently. I go to the bathroom a lot at work, and there's two in a hallway, and I used to always go to the back one, and I noticed it always smelled really bad. <laughs> And I noticed that the front one always was beautiful and perfect. I didn't know that there was an actual statistic that expressed this. Your cell phone usually carries nearly ten times the bacteria that's found on a toilet seat. That can't be right. It is. Where does it all come from? Well, think about how many things that you touch in a day and how often you handle your phone. Everything that you have touched is now on your phone. Oh, that's fun. It's like a little diary from the day. I like that. A germ diary. Yeah, that's cute. Maybe keep some antibacterial wipes and wipe down that phone. Or maybe, if you want to reminisce about what a good day you had, give it a good lick right on the screen. 
The most expensive toilet in history is the one on the International Space Station, which cost $19 million. Bet I could beat them. $19 million. I'm pretty sure even if you had a solid gold toilet, I don't think it would break $19 million. That's why I'm going to build the toilet from the space station, but solid gold. We might as well just encrest it with diamonds. That's a good idea. We're on we're on to something here. Diamond encrusted golden space toilet. It's going to be huge. Buy it now. Thingamajigs.shop. One properly hydrated person will visit the bathroom somewhere between five and seven times a day. And more often if you've just licked your screen and have a horrible bout of diarrhea. But it was worth it for the memories. That's a wrap on plumbing. Did you wrap it with some Teflon tape? Why would I do that? Keeps it from leaking. No, I just put a bucket under it. (laughs) (laughs) It was nice to get a visit from our old friend, the Xylospongium. Ugh, the Romans were so good about cleanliness, and yet they still used a communal butt sponge. At least they rinsed it with, like, vinegar and salt, but still. Maybe they knew something that we didn't. Maybe we should all be using a Xylospongium. No, no. It would, We covered it last time. It was a breeding ground for bacteria. Hey, this was an advanced society. They wouldn't have been using a xylospongium if they didn't have a reason to be using a xylospongium. And no, this isn't just my excuse to continually say xylospongium. Xylospongium. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode of Thingamajigs and this exciting history of a mundane thing. Thank you for spending some time with us talking about plumbing. I am Ben. And I'm Danielle. Don't forget to grab a goose and xylospongium. Thanks for listening. Now, go! Forgive me, but you look familiar.